Today on Locked On Canadians, another Jeff Petrie trade. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 890. We thank you, as always, for making Locked On Canadians your first listen of the day every day. As you know, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Today, we're going to talk about the Jeff Petrie trade, and to do that, I'm going to introduce your hosts. My name is Laura Saab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matla. Scott, I think it was pretty timely. We had some ideas kicking around, some ideas from listeners too about Jeff P. Uh, sorry, about what content we should do. But you said on Sunday when we were recording for Monday, let's talk about Jeff Petrie and where he could go. Are you a psychic, and can you make another trade happen for the Montreal Canadiens? Well, here's the thing is, because the first time they traded back for him, we had just recorded an episode based off of what we thought our listeners would want to hear based on the (laughs) prospects and all this other stuff. And it was a really good, informative show, thanks to Tony Ferrari's article about the Canadians prospect pipeline. And we were both really excited about that because it came off really well. And then Ken Hughes is like, by the way, boom, trade, noise, and we're done. And we kind of talked about that for a little bit. We waited and it's like, everything's just kind of simmering under the surface and that you can tell the Canadians are working on something that Kent Hughes is not resting. He got his like 48 hours of sleep to do whatever. And then was like, you know what? Boom. Another trade on top of that. Kent Hughes has now traded Jeff Petrie twice. He's, he's had trades involving Jeff Petrie three separate times. Now traded for him, traded him away, traded him away again. And the biggest thing out of all of this today, before we get into the return and everything else, I think this is a really good job by Ken Hughes. There was a quote from at Habs and High Heels on Twitter that mentioned Kent talked directly to Jeff Petrie. Ken Hughes talked directly to him saying, we're not going to hold this up. We're not going to you know, drag this out at all. I want to make sure that you are in a spot that is comfortable for you and your family. I am going to make sure that we expedite this and get to that point. And we're just over a week removed from that trade. And he is going to the Detroit Red Wings. He is going back to a city where his dad is already a huge fan favorite from his time pitching with the Detroit Tigers. Petrie gets to go play closer to home. He is from Michigan. He played at Michigan State. I think this is a huge, I think this is a good way for him to probably wind down the last couple years of his NHL career playing at home in Detroit and we found out just before the show that Petrie will don the same number that his father wore for the Tigers, who wore number 46 for the Red Wings. I got to say, all in all, like just not assets and value aside, this is really good work from Ken Hughes. He's doing right by the player, and it's something we don't always see a lot of. But I am grateful that this trade got done as soon as it did because we're not going to, we're not sitting here every single day. What's this? What's this? What's this? It is done. It is over with. We are now moving on full steam, half steam towards development or training camp for rookies and the rookie showcase and then into regular NHL training camp in the preseason here now. 
Uh, there's a couple of things that I think I wanted to touch on real quick before we go into the actual trade value, the return, and the overall Jeff Petrie value in general to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, is that Kent Hughes right now did right by a player, and it kind of solidifies something in my mind. And I think back to uh, the offseason of last year, where Vinny LeCavalier said something along the lines of, Players want to play for coaches, right? Like when a player wants to make a decision about where to live, there are a lot of factors. One, it's whether what kind of market they want to play in. Some thrive in a you know high pressure environment. Some some don't. Some would prefer to be unknown and just live their lives and play hockey for a living. A lot of players, I would say, the overwhelming majority are extremely motivated by even the chance at a Stanley Cup, right? So like if a team's not competitive, they're not going to attract free agents. Another factor could be your family or what your life will be like in a particular city. And as Vinny LeCavalier pointed out, a lot of players can get attracted by the possibility of playing for a coach who either they think will bring out the best in them or will give them the best shot at a Stanley Cup. But I like the, what Jeff Gorton and in particular Kent Hughes are doing with their players in that it's not like they're sacrificing the good of the team to do right by their players, but they're definitely showing themselves to be the kind of front office that takes their players who are their assets at the end of the day, even though they are human beings that take their players concerns to heart, right? Like their desires to heart. So Jeff Petrie decided, sorry, not Jeff Petrie. Kent Hughes knew that Jeff Petrie, like there wasn't really that much room for him in this organization, but he knew that getting in there and, you know, getting rid of a contract like Mike Hoffman's, like, you know, all the math and the cap math and the, uh, the gymnastics that, that had to be done between San Jose, Pittsburgh and Montreal uh, that were done, like the value of unloading that Mike Hoffman contract was taking on Jeff Petrie's contract. And then all of a sudden having a player that you probably didn't necessarily need that was on your cap, but also was taking up the spot of a younger player. And so like you did the right thing by the team, but also the situation you found for the player, you knew that he didn't want to come back. You knew that he didn't want to play in Montreal, or at least his family didn't want to be in Montreal. You knew that this was going to be rough for him. So you found him the best possible place for him that also could have been a trading partner. And, you know, I think you can look at like whether or not the defense in the Habs got back is like worth a Jeff Petrie or not. I don't think that that's the way you should look at it. I think you should look at it as this is the entire cost of getting rid of the Mike Hoffman contract. You're about to say something. And my thought with that is, is that I don't want people to think, oh, Kent Hughes do what is right by the player. Like Rem Pitlick wanted to had requested a trade and they traded him out to, you know, do that. They thought with that Mike no Hoff- hard feelings. Yes. And that Mike Hoffman, they didn't see a spot from in this team and they moved him to give him that opportunity. Jeff Petrie, you know, obviously asked for a trade previously, was traded, came back, and then they did the thing and flipped him again. To do that, I also don't want people to think, oh, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and whomever can get walked over by the players and everything. As we've seen in, you know, Hughes's negotiations with contracts and other things, he's done a really good job balancing player wants and what the team can, you know, reasonably fit and do here. And I think they're striking a really fine balance right now in between taking care of the players and doing what is best by the team. And sometimes you get a situation like this where it works out best for both. It worked out best when they traded him for Mike Matheson last year. And obviously right now that looks great. Things can change here. And like you said, players will take note of that. 
if they are, you know, are told, hey, you know, Kent and Jeff took really good care of me and my family in Montreal, you know, whether it was on the way in or out, I think that says a lot about the status of the team and where, and like you said, where players want to be at. We know people probably want to play for Martin St. Louis because he is that guy. They've played with him. They know exactly who he is there. And I think that this is, it's a big positive in the book in that maybe the return isn't as good as many people were hoping, maybe myself included in that. But at the same time, they negotiated this without any real bumps in the road or issues. There wasn't any like public spats or issues. This was done and dusted pretty well under the radar in all situations. And I think that's the sign of a really smart and competent general manager. Yes, and we are going to talk about that return in, in just one moment. But I think, for me, the, the overall takeaway that I'm going to get from this is that Kent Hughes is not going to sacrifice the needs of the team for a player, but he's also not going to sacrifice a player's happiness for the needs of the team. I think he's going to find the best way that works for everybody in the situation. We've seen it time and time again. Arturi Lekin, and he didn't want to part ways with him. But he did because he knew that there was a, there was a possibility of getting value for him and he waited until he found the trade that he wanted, right? We can talk a lot about like how Justin Barrett is working out and I still think that his potential is still there and he's going to have to reach it. But I think he found the best possible trade partner in the best possible situation. And guess what? The player ended up getting a Stanley Cup, right? So I just, I just want to kind of, the takeaway that I'm getting, the intangible takeaway, sorry, that I'm getting from this is that Montreal... Uh, for all of the faults or whatever, if they can prove that they have even a remote shot at winning, they will become an attractive destination because the organization is one that people want to play for. And hopefully Martin St. Louis with his experience is going to prove to be the kind of coach that people want to play for. In the meantime, there was a return obviously on this trade, but I want to talk also about the overall value of this whole situation. Um, And that's all going to come up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off. We're in the preseason right now. And FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. So let's get into the initial value of this trade. Because I know, I know, I know people are going to have some issues with it. Scott, what did they get for Jeff Petrie? So, and this comes from our friends Cap Friendly on Twitter and we're at X or whatever the hell at this point. So the Canadians traded Jeff Petrie, retaining 50% of his remaining salary. Obviously, Pittsburgh retained 25%. So then Canadians are retaining 2.3% for $2,342,750 of Jeff Petrie's remaining contract for this year and next year. That takes up two of their retained slots. Joel Edmondson comes off after this season, which is a good thing. Carl's buyout ends after this season, which is some dead cap on the books as well. And in return, the Canadians get a conditional 2025 fourth round pick and defenseman 
Gustav Lindstrom. The condition on that fourth round pick is the Canadians received the later of either Detroit or Boston's 2025 fourth round pick. I believe that probably came over in the Tyler Bertuzzi trade, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Uh, as for Gustav Lindstrom, uh, he is a player. There is this is not someone who is going to light the world on fire. Uh, last year with Detroit in 36 games, one goal, seven assists, minus 16, 20 penalty minutes the year before that, 13 points in 63 games, and kind of bounced between um, he was on loan in hockey El Svenskin. He played 13 games with the Red Wings, 13 games with the Grand Rapids Griffins. He played in Detroit and Grand Rapids the year before that, 16 games and 45 games. And then before that was playing with Frolunda and Almatuna in the Hockey Elsvenskin in Sweden. Based on the reaction I've got from the Red Wings folks over winging it at Motown is he showed some promise and then nothing really came of that. Obviously Detroit hasn't exactly been a team. They're a team on the rise, but have had their bumps in the road that might've slowed it down a little bit. He might be, you know, your third pairing defenseman here or there. The reasonable expectation here is he's probably our sixth, seventh defenseman in Montreal this year. If he doesn't end up in the AHL with the rocket at some point as well, depending on how camp shakes out, he and Chris Weidman are basically in competition for that last spot on the NHL roster. As far as I'm concerned, And the biggest thing about all this is this whole three-way trade was not about getting the most return for any certain player in here because they're not going to get value for Rem Pitt. Like, you're not going to get value for Mike Hoffman. You're not really going to get value for Jeff Petrie when he was kind of a salary cap dump in this trade here. The biggest thing about this trade is... like, you have to remember, he did not have a great season in Pittsburgh. Yes. And I think that's part of that is that this whole thing was opening up, was about opening up cap space. The Canadians, you know, shed a little bit more salary. They are retaining a little bit, but they are just over the cap by $3.7 million. And then there are still other moves likely coming down the pipeline here in terms of trades or players being moved out or other things here. Uh, because Kent Hughes said they want to try and enter the season without carry price on LTIR which means they got another three, um, just over three and a half million dollars to get below that cap threshold. And then they can put him on LTIR to start the season and open up that whole pool of LTIR money for themselves. They're trying to get to a spot that they don't have to use that LTIR space with Carey Price's contract in the upcoming seasons with the cap coming up. They want to have as much flexibility as they can. And I think that's probably the right path forward. The overall value coming back in this trade is not great in terms of tangible assets. A second round pick is nice. Another fourth round pick never goes amiss to add to the war chest. Gustav Lindstrom is a guy. Nathan Legoy is potentially, he's another guy looking for a fresh start. He's going to play probably in the rocket middle six to start and we'll see where he goes. He might be, you know, another guy who needed a change of scenery like an Anthony Richard and he rises up. Or he could be Nate Schnarr, who just got traded for Frederick Allard at the last trade deadline. And then Casey Smith, we're going to talk about in the last segment here. But tangible assets, not a ton. But in terms of cap space and future planning, this is it's shrewd business. It doesn't seem flashy or sexy like, you know, getting a top prospect. But this reads a lot like 
really smart business from Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon, probably John Sedgwick, who handles a lot of the cap space stuff inside there. And that's why I'm not exactly freaking out that they didn't get more for Jeff Petrie at this point. Right. Cause like essentially you have to look at it as what did they get for Hoffman and Pitlick? They got a second and a fourth that in itself is like more than you would expect for a Hoffman and Pitlick at this point. And also like there is like obviously two young players, but like you pointed out, one is probably going to be a six or seventh defenseman. The other one, we don't know if they're even going to crack um, the, the fourth line in Montreal. They're probably going to be a career AHLer, but you never know. And then at the same time, you ended up with Casey DeSmith. And that is going to be um, the focal point of our next segment. I just want to go back real quick, too, to the fact that, you know, like when you're looking at Pittsburgh and they gave us Mike Matheson for Ryan Paling and Jeff Petrie, and Pittsburgh doesn't have Ryan Paling or Jeff Petrie at this point. Not that they, you know, not that they were world beaters in Pittsburgh or anything like that. We just talked about how Jeff Petrie's season was quite disappointing in Pittsburgh. But, it, you know, even that change of scenery didn't really do anything for these two players, like leaving Montreal, whereas like Montreal ended up getting Mike Matheson. And you cannot discount his value at this point. Yes, it's true that by the time this team is contending, he's probably going to be uh, like the wrong age, right? Like you can't discount the fact that he's going to age and the fact that he had a couple of injury issues this season. We, we have to be honest about that. But assuming that he's durable, even with the inconsistencies that he's had in Pittsburgh and his last season here in Montreal, he still showed so much good. Like he's going to be so useful. You're not going to see him be like your star stud elite defenseman, but he is so good at what he does. He's so good if you manage the expectations correctly. And that to me, I think like you have to kind of think about as well. Like they also ended up getting Mike Matheson. Like, so it's a net win for me. It's a second and a fourth, which depending on, you know, which your draft they emulate in 2024, like, um, you know, that's, that's going to really show like what the value is, like the way that they draft, like if they're going to be like 2022 Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, or if they're going to be 2023 Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, like we don't know the value yet, but that's still an asset. And then Mike Matheson, you cannot discount that. Right. So like, so like overall the Jeff Petrie experiment in Montreal has gone extremely well. Like when you sum it all up, it's gone extremely well. When he came over here, he was so good. He was such a valuable piece. Like he was such a big part of that cup run. He was such a, you know, he like Jeff Petrie to me, like is always going to be underrated in Montreal, just based purely on all of the things that had to do with him being here. When you consider what price the Canadians paid for him in 2015 and that he ended up being here nearly a decade with a long time service here. Like he was a very good defenseman for the Montreal Canadians. And there are times that he had to carry the team a fair bit because Shea Weber was injured or, you know, whatnot. And I remember that Jeff Petrie getting to play with Andre Markov was such a treat for this team because it brought out the best in Petrie's ability. And then he learned to kind of stand and be that own guy. He wasn't going to be able to do that in Edmonton because Edmonton was an unadulterated crap show and still is in some ways that allowed him to blossom. Oilers fans are still upset over this trade because they saw the value in Jeff Petrie and what he could become. And the management time sent him out the door and Mark Bergman has made his mistakes as Canadians GMs in the past. The Jeff Petrie trade is not one of them. Neither was getting him extended in this team here. 
it was a really good trade and it paid off down the line here. Honestly, it's a really solid, you know, timeline of things for Jeff Petrie. And it's a good end because like we said, he gets to go play in his home state in front of, you know, fans that he, you know, of the team he probably grew up cheering for and watching gets to wear his dad's number with same name on the back and then probably gets to retire in peace. It's a pretty solid end. And for the Canadian side of it, like you said, we end up with Mike Matheson, some draft picks and maybe a few pieces here or there. It's hard to be upset at the end of the day, considering all that in, in a vacuum here, total overall. And I think one thing that we do have to talk about because it is quite an intriguing piece of this whole thing is Casey DeSmith and what the Canadians do next. And that's all coming up in just one moment. Before we get into the segment, I just want to remind everybody that our next episode is our mailbag episode. And you can send us questions uh, to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also post them in the YouTube comments and put mailbag questions at the beginning. And you can also tweet them to us on whatever it is, X, Twitter, whatever we want to call it. You can send it to us in the direct messages and you can send it to, uh, you can tweet us the questions, but please do not forget to do so because Friday is the mailbag episode. And unless Kent Hughes has another trade to pull out of a hat, uh, we want your questions so that we can, dic- or so that you can dictate what our show looks like. All right, Scott, let's talk about Casey DeSmith. Uh, I think obviously he was somebody that the Penguins really needed to get rid of just in terms of like, you know, the way that they were built. Um, I think he is definitely a bona fide backup goaltender. I don't necessarily think he belongs in Montreal necessarily, but it depends on what they're going to do. Um, I also, you know, obviously Scott, you alluded to it after the trade. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that obviously he has uh, not a great history in his past. So I don't necessarily know what the whole plan is, but Kent Hughes kind of gave us a hint when he talked to the media. And he said that he told Casey DeSmith to be patient and things are going to shake out soon. So whether that means moving Allen out or moving Casey DeSmith out, either way, the Canadians have a backup goaltender that they're probably going to trade for additional assets, no matter how high or low those picks might be. I'm assuming it's going to be picks. I And I think that's a good point is because... Ken Hughes also hinted that there's other things in process that he can't speak on at this exact point, which makes me think is somebody else injured because we learned today, Paul Byron's career is over. We, we, it's kind of like we knew everybody knew this, but this is the confirmation of that fact that Paul Byron's career is now over. They want to give him the time though, to announce his formal retirement and they said in September they're going to meet with him. I believe they are going to offer him a role in the Canadians organization, which you and I have talked about at length before, that Paul Byron is an ideal candidate to be in this player development part department. For Casey DeSmith, it's weirder, is that his numbers compared to Samuel Montemont, Jake Allen last year were right. They're all in that same hemisphere of acceptable, like 1B-ish kind of player. Samuel Montebo took a little bit of a hit at the end of the year when the Canadians were just floundering to the finish line because, you know, they were injured. He only makes $1.8 million. Jake Allen makes three point eight five for the next two years. I guess it all depends on which team needs a goalie. You know, which team is going to realize, oh, we need some help in here now. We, uh, you know, our prospect isn't ready or we have an injury or something. 
the Canadians having potentially four players who could be on an NH who could be on the NHL roster this year gives them the flexibility to figure out what they want to do with that. And maybe they flip to Smith because he's cheaper than Jake Allen and Jake Allen has his injury history and everything else right now. It's it all depends on what teams because some teams might be like, we want the veteran guy. We want Jake Allen. And Ken Hughes goes, okay, you will take him at full salary then. And you work something out around that. I think this is going to come down to training camp. We're going to see who plays the best during the preseason, unless some team comes like just desperately pounding down Kent Hughes's door. This is going to be something that lasts into the preseason. Can Montembeau continue that form that he had last year? Is Jake Allen recovered from his injuries? What is Casey DeSmith at this point? What is Caden Primo at this point? Because we can't forget that he is part of this right now. The assumption is they're probably going to try and sneak Primo through waivers, but right now it is it is just a waiting game. Personally, I would just flip him because I think cheaper, you know, backup NHL goal, he's 32 years old, so he's older. He's going on 32 years old. He's older. I'd rather, you know, trust Montembeau, give Primo a spot there that if someone's injured, that it's make or break. And if Primo can make it, cool. If not, then you just move on from that. I think there's going to be a bigger market for DeSmith than Allen, unless Allen proves that he is healthy and back up to form. In which case, then, if you're the Canadians, why wouldn't you just keep the better goalie anyway? So it's it's going to be a an imp, it's going to be an impatient, patient wait here. We have to be patient, but everyone's kind of itching to see how this shakes out because it is a great unknown in this organization right now. How the goaltending is just going to stack itself out through the rest of the season here. Yeah, and I think this is the thing is that, like Kent Hughes said, to be patient. That doesn't mean that he won't, you know, if there's an opportunity tomorrow to resolve the situation, that he won't do it. It just, it's exactly like you said, like the Canadians might have to think about whether Jake Allen's cap hit is worth keeping him over DeSmith or not. Um, and I think that's that's really the key here is that the Canadians didn't necessarily need an additional backup goaltender. They need to think about their long-term goaltending situation but I don't necessarily think they need, like, you know, like the Canadians not, are not contending. It doesn't really matter what backup goaltender they have because it's not a situation now where you need to keep Price healthy for the most of the year in order for him to be ready for the playoffs. So I think all in all, it's a very intriguing question. And I'm kind of hesitant because I feel like we're going to post this episode and then Kent Hughes is going to figure out what to do with the goaltending situation and make this obsolete. But um I think that's where we're going to keep it, though. Just, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. And uh, we want you guys to share your ideas as well. Um, and also just um, be careful, like, when you are commenting, please do not call each other things and, you know, antagonize each other on the YouTube comments. Like, you know, we want to keep this a space where people can share their opinion without being attacked. So please do that. Please, please, please keep the comment section respectful. You don't have to agree you, you can feel free to share your opinion and have your opinions on what we say and things like that. But to each other, please, please, please be respectful. Um, that being said, make sure that you are subscribed to this episode, uh, not this episode, this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, um, as well as on YouTube. Uh, also, you can follow us on Twitter at or whatever it is at LO underscore Canadians. You can find us on social media. I'm at the active stick and Scott is at Scott Matla or call me Scorch, depending on what app you're looking him up on. Also, please email us your 
uh, mailback questions or just your opinions at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. We love stories. We love questions. We love opinions. We love all kinds of stuff. Uh, and if you want to uh, ask your mailback question on YouTube, please put mailback question at the beginning of the comments so we know it's not a discussion point for that day. It is something you want us to bring up on the Friday mailbag. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you on Friday.